You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. There we go. Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Darkness Within Radio. Tonight, I am proud to bring back Jeff Mudgett, the great, great grandson of H.H. Holmes. And we're going to be talking to him about what's really going on, because I've watched his shows. Um, I haven't read the book, but I've watched his shows. And if you get a chance to watch them, you need to watch them. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? Hi, Judy. Hi, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me back on Darkness Within Radio. It's always a pleasure. Welcome. Well, I'm glad to have you back, believe me. I mean, after watching your shows and stuff, you know, it got it got my, my wheels turning in my head and stuff, and it was really interesting to see what you and your co-host did on that show, you know? You know, I, I had a lot of fun producing uh and filming American Ripper. And, you know, Amaryllis, my co-host, she and I had turned out to be best friends now. We, we talk almost every day. And it's, uh, it's quite the pleasure to work with, you know, creative geniuses. The, the people at History were brilliant. Um, the way they handled the story, while I had certain disagreements with them about certain issues, some of those recreations they, they acted out with, Jack the Ripper and H.H. H. Holmes, I thought were some of the best I'd ever seen on TV. Yeah, but I mean, you think about it, and I was just explaining to my co-host, Jeff, that when H.H. H. Holmes was here in the United States, nothing was going on over there in London. And the the sketches that were done were really, really amazing. Amazing sketches, you know, and they look like the same person. You're right. When we filmed that scene, and that was all live, okay? I mean, it wasn't live on TV, but what you were seeing, the reactions from Amaryllis and I, there was no script. There was no rehearsal. That was it. And when the lady, the forensic pathologist, came out with those drawings from the 13 eyewitness accounts of Jack the Ripper, and it, right. was obvi- and it was obviously the face of H.H. H. Holmes. The whole auditorium went silent. Even, you know, we had three or four film crews there, two audio teams. Everyone went silent. They were in complete amazement. And the director was such in shock that he didn't, he didn't know how to keep going. So basically, Amaryllis took over, and she went up with the lady and started discussing what are the odds that it could come out so similar and it was a it was a great scene. I'm glad you remember it. Oh, I remember the whole show. I remember when you know you zoom the body and stuff. Wasn't the skeleton that was in the coffin shorter than H. H. Holmes? Well, you know, I, I'll give you. I I did a final conclusion based on all the evidence after giving it the proper amount of time. You know, when we exhumed and then 
had to produce that final eighth episode. There wasn't enough time to do it right. So I, I waited and then came out, like I said, with that final report. And there's no doubt in my mind that that wasn't H.H. H. Holmes who we who we, uh, we exhumed. That was, you know, you know my theory, but from the book, I believe he murdered a guard at the prison and had him buried in this place. Um, we'll never I be believe able to- that, too. Um, I'm an empath and a sensitive, and I, be- I believe seriously on the paranormal side, that was not H.H. H. Holmes. No, and then you know when you have when you have the University of Pennsylvania scientists at a press conference admitting that the DNA wasn't a match, I don't think there's any question. But was it a match, or it wasn't a match? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a match, and that's what the scientists' final conclusions are. They 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 still believe it's Holmes based on the dental records, the the dental casts that were taken. But right. when I when I tried to explain to them that that was part of the Holmes con, that was part of his scheme, those dental records and those pictures of those two dental casts, knowing that if it was ever dug up, he could use that to show that it was him. And they, they, they wouldn't buy it. They still aren't buying it. But one day, I'm convinced, uh, if I have patience, I'll talk them into seeing what's logical. Well, evidently, sometimes people can't see what's there in front of them, you know. They just can't yeah. see it. Well, they, is, or, they, or they refuse to. Well, right. that's, you're right, Jeff. They, they believed it was Holmes from the start, and they thought I was kooky, and my theories were, were off, off nut. And, you know, despite my best efforts, they, they kept that bias and preconceived notion in place, and... It's kind of like when you try to prove who Jack the Ripper is. You, you've got millions in the UK who think they know who Jack the Ripper was. And when you bring evidence forward showing them that their, their past beliefs are wrong, it's, it's very hard to get them to change their mind. You, you know, you have this radio show, Darkness Within Radio. You know exactly what I'm talking about, about trying to talk someone into changing their mind. Yeah, and you, you just can't because, you know, the reason why there, I was given this name, Darkness Within Radio, okay, and that's because of the fact that I did a lot of investigations that had to do with the dark side. You know, like, um, don't believe it, and and stuff like that. So. What the hell was that? But. <laughs> Somebody gave me this name, and it just stuck, you know? Actually, I, I actually like it, and I see I see a lot of different titles about books and TV shows and movies all the time, and I think Darkness Within works, works well for what you're trying to portray. Well, yeah, because I, you know, I look at it like... Um, if you really look at it in a paranormal world, there's no matter where you go, there's always some kind of darkness within people, within an investigation, okay? I'm sorry I never got to investigate the castle. You know, I'm, I'm really sorry I didn't get to investigate that because that would have been like a really, really great investigation. 
Hey, Jeff, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Okay, the question I have, because I I just looked up H.H. Holmes, and it actually lists serial killer. It says he admitted to all these murders and everything else. Uh, They hanged him. So here's the thing. If I go up and shoot your mother, and I kill your mother, and I say, look, yes, I killed his mother, and they're still saying, well, no, he's not who he says he is. Why is there such... Such, you know, controversy. I mean, the man basically admitted to everything that they charged him with. Because oh. here's the thing. Here's the thing. When they hanged him, he paid off a guard or killed a guard so he could get away again and go back to London. <laughs> I swear to God, he's got to be related to my ex-wife somehow. I don't know. But anyway... <laughs> You know, um, the current the current news going on about the police officer in California fascinates me because, you know, I think I think I go around the country talking about my my great great grandfather and people tend to believe you know that's part of our past history and it won't happen again. Well, all of a sudden now we have this police officer who seems a lot like H. H. Holmes. Well, even I was I was thinking the Black Dahlia murders. Um, the guy was. You know, the lady was bisected, and they basically said somebody with medical training would have to do that, the way she was cut. You know, and I'm thinking, who better to to bisect, dissect, whatever, than somebody that knows intricately the human body? You know what I mean? I, I, I remember the old quote, those that do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Oh, oh that's very true. And um, the... Uh anthropologists that I work with were always fascinated how despite the the cadaver's condition after some of the murders, you know, the the Ripper killings, um, how people weren't willing to agree that the man who'd removed those organs from those poor victims had to have had medical training. And it's impossible for someone like me or you or Judy to have, you know, removed a kidney or a liver without damaging other organs, without having had practice before, and that practice comes in medical schools. Yeah, but well, I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for almost 30 years, and I'm telling you right now, I know intricately the human body, but I could not go in and remove a kidney. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it takes a lot. I've seen doctors just do minor surgery, and some of the blood vessels they're working with are, like, literally so tiny. I mean... It's so easy to damage an organ, so he had to be really, really, really good at what he does. And no, I mean, the man, you know, by definition, was a medical genius to be able to do this. Well, and then, and then add in, Jeff, the fact that he did it in four or five minutes' time in foggy night conditions, worried about a police officer over his shoulder. That's crazy. That's that's just pardon the pun, but that's insane. I mean, that he can do it like that. That's just, it boggles the mind. But he was, he was just so, so smart that, you know, he went, he learned, actually, when he was, I'm going to say, he learned at an early age when he worked with the um, coroner or yeah. the guy from the funeral home. You know what I'm saying? So he learned all this stuff at a very, very young age. Then he went off to medical school. And he excelled in medical school. So, I mean, you figure he could do all this within the time he did it. Well, just the fact that he was able to cover his tracks, I mean, for so long. 
Yeah, it's um, I'm I'm always uh, it's a you know solving, and I you know and I'll tell, I'll tell I'll tell you and your listeners right now. In my opinion, the mystery has been solved. The case is closed. H. H. Holmes right, right. was Jack the Ripper, and. Oh, no. But but I but I realize that you know for the rest of my life I'm going to run into people who <clears throat> will disagree and you know refuse to listen to logic even when they have someone as expert as these anthropologists from the University of Pennsylvania explaining it had to have been a medical doctor or surgeon to have conducted these atrocities with such a tight hand and in such a small period of time. And but I gotta yeah, tell you guys, I, I go I go on the newspapers, I go on the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, and they still won't listen to me about having didn't, to have been a doctor. So. Yeah, but we're didn't talking they, about the LA Times. Didn't <laughs> yeah. they find the the doctor's ba- the doctor's bag under the bed when they went up to clean that room? That's not yeah. that's something I, I haven't heard that. It was on your show. The doctor's bag under the bed? I believe it was on your show where they went for Jack the Ripper. They went under the bed and found a doctor's bag, or maybe it was uh, the Jack the Ripper show I was watching. But they went under the bed where um, supposedly it was Jack the Ripper. There was a doctor's bag under the bed. So that's where they figured that he had to have medical knowledge, this guy. Well, interesting. Now, now, Judy, you've got me intrigued. Now I have to go back and watch the show again. Well, now we got another TV show. <laughs> it might have been on, I watched a show, Jack the Ripper, the documentary yeah. on him, so it might have been on, it, on that show, you know? It might have been. Jeff, let me ask you one more question now. I'm just curious, and this is, this is a horrible joke, but I love humor. I love Monty Python. I cannot resist asking, do you have any of his skills? Are you really good at carving the turkey at Thanksgiving? I'm just curious. That's that's a funny question. I, I love Monty Python, too. And I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what, though. I just did a, a show for NBC, and we were at the Renaissance Fair, and they were they were filming me and my alleged relationship with the new princess coming, you know, in the, in the wedding in a couple of weeks. And we went to a knife-throwing exhibit, and the, the professional, <laughs> the professional oh, there, he was showing us how to do it. And my co-host barely hit the dirt in front of her feet. In fact, I thought she was going to hit herself in the foot. So <laughs> he, handed, he handed me the knife, and, Jeff, my first throw was a dead bullseye. Oh, wow. He turns to me and he goes, damn, you're a natural. And I just kind of grinned. And the, and the camera was getting the whole thing. So. I, I just want to say uh, I'm your best friend. I never want to make you mad. Yeah. <laughs> Judy, do not give him my address. I don't care what he says. I don't even have your address, so I don't care. I just know the town you live in. That's it. I, I wouldn't want to date his daughter. Let's put it that way. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that'd be a way to kill a prom date. Yeah, gra- uh, by the way, my great-great-grandfather was Jack the Ripper. Okay, honey, hope you find the prom date. I'm out of here. See you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Bring, bring her home on time. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Now, I know you have something coming up in the U.K., Jeff. Um, 
is that going to be the American Ripper? Or are they going to do take it to a different type of thing? No, they're they're just rerunning it now over there. It's a big hit over there. It's setting records. They they haven't rerun the American Ripper here in the states. Don't quite know why. They don't fill me in on their decisions about ratings and advertising things like things like that. But the show I the show I just did for NBC was about the the, the Mudgett family is related to the Markles, which is the new princess. Oh and wow. They want, yeah, and they wanted me to come. Yeah, they're getting married on my birthday. I yeah. wasn't even invited. <laughs> no, I wasn't. wasn't either. And they're going to uh, use me as an American historian and discuss both family lines during the show. So that it was a lot of fun. So cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be, it'll be out two days before the wedding. So it'll be out the 17th of May. I think so. Yeah. That is freaking awesome, dude. Congratulations, man. Oh, thanks. That's as, that's as great as getting your own Walmart store. <laughs> you know, I've, I've done a lot of um, serial killer shows, and like that's I did cool. like Michael Ross and Jeff Dahmer and stuff like that, but H.H. Holmes, I mean, he's he's like a big name. Like way back when, and um, his name still comes up. I I still talk to people, and I have them intrigued and stuff. And it's like I know the great great grandson of AJ Holmes, and they're like, "Are you kidding me?" I'm like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> hey Jeff, yeah, I- the twenty the twenty thousand dollar question: Why do you think he did it? What started him off on his his reign of terror, so to speak? No, that's a that's a question which is probably impossible to answer. I get asked that a lot. I I'm not going to be as presumptuous to think that I know how he thought. He was obviously an evil genius. He was had one of the highest intellects ever recorded at the University of Michigan. He you know he he was a great writer. He was prolific at manipulating the press and the law enforcement. He could, he could, if he want, if he saw a woman, Jeff, in a room and he was attracted to her, he had almost a supernatural ability to seduce. He, there, you know, he had nu- numerous wives, hundreds of mistresses. Yeah, we don't know. They, how. Said he had, they said he had over 50 lawsuits in Chicago, uh, Chicago alone for being a bigamist. I was like, holy crap. I don't, I have never heard that number before, but it wouldn't surprise me. That's a, ma- I mean, Dude, I had trouble getting people in high school. I mean, my lord, if I got one, I was happy. You know? Yeah. He, the I was I was trying to talk history into a second season where we could explore the relationships he had with his lovers, because you know history has tended to portray them as these innocent, ignorant females who followed him around like the ones did Charlie Manson, and it wasn't true. These were these were brilliant ladies who helped with his cons and his frauds, probably yeah, had, some of his some of his murders. He had to charm them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I, I know my great great grandmother was, if if truth be told, was probably almost as evil as he was. Wow! Wow! I never heard that before. 
No, I have her diary, and there's some interesting little uh, notes in there about her visiting him while he was in prison awaiting execution and then traveling to Chicago two or three times with power of attorney. And, you know, we can all guess what she was doing there. I mean, no one ever found his fortune. He was a very rich man. And now, I, I, had heard, I had heard somewhere, Jeff, that um, they found two of his cousins drowned in a pond by the house in New Hampshire. Well, uh, uh, Gilmington, New Hampshire historian, they believe that his first murder was as an infant killing his cousin, as you said, in a little creek behind, behind a winery. And uh, the, the people at History, the producers, they researched that quite extensively. And despite our best efforts, we, we couldn't come up with any facts nailing that down. Now, we still, we still ran it on the show, but it was with the disclaimer that, you know, these were beliefs from the people of Gilmington. That was the legend of the town and nothing that we could prove. Well, right. my dad used to say there's a little truth in every rumor, you know? Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, let me ask you this from the paranormal aspect. Has anybody ever tried to contact him? I'm just curious as far as like with the spirit box or have you ever tried or has anybody ever asked you if you wanted to try? I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm sure that goes on a lot. That's that's not really my cup of tea. But it was, you know, I, I could tell you this in if either of you ever decide to read my book, the, there's a chapter about going down into the basement of the murder castle, the post office now, uh-huh. and experiencing a very, a very strong energy force, which I know in my head, my soul, and my heart wanted me to kill my best friend who was down there with me. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah, and I tried to portray that. I tried to portray that in the book. So, um, you know, I'd be willing to pay you to take my ex-wife. Anyway, so uh, I'm soft. Never mind. That's like, uh, <laughs> like I like I said to you before on the last show. I mean, you know, if you could ever get down there again, let me know what day. I'll see if I can't get down there or not. Because I'd love to go down there to see what's there. Yeah, that's amazing. That's you know. The officials at the post office are taking their orders now from Washington, D.C., and they're, from what I understand, they refused the people at History Channel uh, film crew going down into the basement. Right. So they've, they've, they've changed them. I've been down there four times, but like I said, this last time when we practically begged them to allow me and the film crews to go again, they refused. Wow. Right, right. I mean, that's like part of your history. I mean, they shouldn't refuse you, but that's, you know, them because of everything that's going on in the government. But I also um, saw somewhere that he had, Holmes had actually taken and had plans drawn up for to build another castle in Texas. Yeah, Fort Worth. Yeah. Oh, wow. That never happened, though. Actually, I think it got I think it got pretty far along. I I haven't I've seen some pictures and drawings of what it looked like, and it was bigger than the murder castle in Chicago, from what I can tell. 
but I've never wow. been down. I've never been down to the location to explore how much is true and how much is legend. Do you plan on going down there to find out what's what? No, I'm, my my goal now, Judy, is to excavate the grounds at 63rd and Wallace where the murder castle stood to see what evidence we can pull out from the ground uh, to further the story and, you know, right history's wrongs. Because when... In 1937, when the, when, the, when the murder castle was bought by the federal government, they tore it down. They filled in the hole, and I don't have much detail on how they did it. I don't think they did a, a historic excavation or sought any of the artifacts that are obviously there. And then they built the post office a little to the side. There's a slight overlap, but the excavation we conduct would could be done while the post office was still in operation and we're trying to convince the federal government now that we can do so without interfering with the, the delivery of the mail and right. you know it, it it took us almost a year to have a court order for the exhumation of the Holmes grave site and right. i would i would imagine we're looking at another 9 to 10 months before we get approval for the excavation in chicago do, do you believe there's bodies buried there no, but I believe there's DNA, and I okay. believe I. To tell you the truth, I I when the the project started, when American Ripper began production, I had this belief in DNA, that it was a science something out of Star Trek, and now that I've seen it in work and operation, now that I've seen it, have to compare. DNA with other samples and how, seeing how disappointed I was in the results. I'm not as convinced as I once was, Jeff, that, you know, we'll be able to determine how many bodies were down there. But, you know, we, it's something we owe the victims. It's something, it's something the federal government owed the victims and, and, and missed their obligation. I believe they violated the law buying that property and filling in that ground without investigating the alleged murders. Right, right. right. I, I agree. And, and there's no statute of limitations on those murders. Right. I, now, I believe, I'm not, I believe, I if, believe I'm not state, if I'm not mistaken, you had one DNA taken um, early in the show and another DNA taken after um, they exhumed the body. Well, we ran a DNA sample, my DNA, against the Catherine Eddowes shawl and came up with absolutely um, unsatisfactory <laughs> results. Right. Well, but that, right. Was actually, that was actually a very good try at if Holmes, when he murdered Catherine Eddowes, had cut himself to where he had bled on the shawl. And that happens quite often. That's right. you know, something I used to do that for a living in California in the criminal law. And if there had been blood on the shawl, there was a chance. And that, you know, we could have proved Jack the Ripper with that one test. So it was, it was, it was a, a well worthwhile exercise. It didn't come out that way. And quite, you know, quite frankly, if we had been gambling at the time, most of us would have bet against it happening. But it was worth it. Then after that, we ran a DNA sample from the base of the skull of the skeleton we exhumed from the grave. Right. And had that compared 
against, again, my DNA sample, and uh, that came up unsatisfactory as well. You know, that's amazing because people saw Jack the Ripper, okay? They saw him, and there's no comparison between the two drawings. They're, They're the same. I saw them on TV. They're the same. You know, so how do they explain that? Well, I agree. And then about, oh, almost 20 years now, Scotland Yard and the BBC had done another composite from the eyewitness testimonies and came out with a a drawing, a profile that looked again like Holmes. So it's not like we were cooking the book, so to speak. It's, It's been done twice now by very reputable organizations. Right. I mean, it's it intrigues me about serial killers and these types of people. It intrigues me. I'm not a serial killer. Don't get me wrong. Okay. You kill Captain Crunch. <clears throat> no, I did not kill Captain Crunch. I killed a spider last night. <laughs> but anyway, it like. It intrigues me how a lot of these serial killers are very, very smart. They go to college. They have a college degree. They're extremely smart. You know, I don't know if that has anything to do with it or something like that. I, I don't I don't know how these genetics work. Well, they, didn't they say yeah. that... Uh... A lot of the uh, serial killers, like uh, what was the guy? Uh, God, Dahmer, not Dahmer. Oh God, what's the guy? Ted Bundy. They said he had a very high, high IQ, I think, as well. He had an IQ. So did um, the the clown killer there. Oh, John uh, Gacy. Yeah, he had an high IQ. So did Michael Roth. I'll never kill anybody. You know, it I'm makes stupid. it makes you wonder because. Jeff, I think that people that are like more or less geniuses, they go from either committing suicide or going on a killing rampage. I don't know if you agree with that or not. No, I like I said earlier, this the science of um, psychology is far beyond me. I think it's a burgeoning field. I don't think we know much about it now, even even the experts. And I think it's something that, you know, was going to take maybe generations to come before we understand why a man who could have, you know, been a Louis Pasteur, he was so smart, he could have cured disease, decided that he was born with the devil in him and he, was, and he needed to go out and profit from the pain and agony of innocent victims. But you have to agree that what Holmes did, he was a genius in what he did. He built the castle, and he had guests running in there to basically euthanize his guests. Okay. Then he had a big laundry chute on the second floor where he shoved the bodies down that went to the basement. It takes, like, a genius to figure out something like this and then 
all the insurance fraud that he committed? Well, he, he, was, he was the master at insurance fraud. I think, you know, when when they write the book one day about the ones who took advantage of the life insurance system the most may be in the history of man, you're going to have Holmes's picture there. And he, he was, he would find a couple, Judy, that he was attracted to. He would practically seduce them both. The husband would disappear. The wife would name Holmes as the new beneficiary on the policy and then she would die. So, yeah. and this, and this went on numerous times. Well, if he if he would have been just saying for the sake of argument, if he would have gone good and and gone to become a doctor, who like you were saying, who knows what I mean with his knowledge, technically could have been really anything. An architect, a doctor, I mean it just you know, boggles the mind what he was capable of. Well, he was a doctor. I mean he was already that. So and yeah. then, like like Judy says, he, he designed and had and managed the construction of a you know a fairly large hotel in Chicago during the World's Fair and and wow. you know operated it so that he was never actually caught by Chicago law enforcement for the multitudes of crimes he committed there. And now, that's he, amazing. Did he ever get nailed for anything like a petty crime and the cops arrested him and, and they didn't realize who they had? I'm just curious. He might have been arrested two or three times in Chicago for small stuff and then posted bond and then, you know, actually defended himself away from it. it one of the most intriguing parts of the entire story, one, you know, as an ex-lawyer I find fascinating was Holmes's defense. He conducted his own defense. He fired his lawyers and defended wow. himself during the murder trial. And some of the methods and tactics he used are still taught in law school today. Holy and, crap. Oh, yeah. I've, wow. I've got a, yeah, I've got an investors group now interested in making a courtroom drama of the Holmes murder trial. With that. Well, that was so cool. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't even just the insurance fraud. I mean... Look what he did to them poor people. He, you know, took all the the muscle, the skin, everything off and sold the skeletons for $200 a piece. Back then, that was a lot of money to sell oh, skeletons. He, he was making more than that. Some skeletons, he was almost making $2,000. Oh, good Lord. Wow. Yeah, and some of insurance policy frauds, he was making six to $8,000. Oh, my God. Yeah, he had a lot of cash, a lot of cash. And then he was in real estate. He was in stocks. He was, you know, and any any of any procedure that could render him a profit, he would do if he had the time for it. Yeah. That's unreal. I mean, he was just pure evil. <laughs> he was, he was, he was, I, when I go on shows like yours, you know, people want to compare him to other killers, and I always... I always kind of shake my head, and I don't know if people realize this was the major league. This, this okay, was, I this. cannot, with me doing serial killer shows in the past, yeah. I cannot compare him to any other killer. I can't. No, no he's, he's in a class of his own. I, when I go, go on shows in the U.K., I'm, I always am entertained by how much 
they expect me to prove that Holmes was Jack the Ripper when in my mind I'm thinking, you know, we're talking about two or three murders in Whitechapel in 1888 that have fascinated the world for over 130 years now. When actually the investigators in London, the Ripperologists, should be working to prove that the Ripper was H.H. Holmes in Chicago because the crimes he committed here in the States were far, far worse than anything ever contemplated by whoever the Ripper actually was, while I believe it was Holmes for two of the murders. But, you know, the, that's, that, like I said, I'm, I'm always entertained and fascinated by how little they want to impress on themselves what Holmes was and how much they cling to this, you know, two, three, four, five murders in London during, you know, this, this period of time in a, in a poverty-stricken area called Whitechapel. When, you know, the guys at Scotland Yard told, have told me twice now, they believe there was at least two copycat killers amongst those five murders. Well, he, I was reading online. He admitted to 72 murders, but they could only tie him to nine. No, the, 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 I, I think he admitted to 27. I think you got your numbers backwards. Probably on this next Yeah. That's a, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's okay. And the debate goes on almost every uh, show or conference or event I attend now. There's someone that wants to debate and argue how many homes actually murdered. I, I don't know. No one, no one knows. No one will ever know. This was, you know, a doctor, a chemist, a forensic scientist, a, you know, a pharmacy, you know, owner. He knew how chemicals would reduce human flesh and evidence of murder to nothing so that the, pre- the, the police could never find them. He, ha- he had an operation for you know, stripping flesh from the bones and articulating the skeletons and then selling them to medical schools around the country. So he had a glass factory in Chicago with, uh, oh, wow. temperature, with temperatures over thousands of degrees, which would reduce human waste, even bone, to nothing but ash. And then Didn't he had they a con- say something about a concrete factory to it one time? Yeah, he had a, con- a concrete factory along the Chicago River where he never sold cement. And the fact that he had the capability of making coffin-sized boxes, which he could dump in the Great Lake or Chicago River, I, I re- absolutely refuse to argue how many people Holmes murdered. I don't think we'll I, ever know. I saw you guys in the boat going up the, the river there, and I'm like, yeah, I hope they find something. I hope they find something. I'm like, come on, find something, you know? <laughs> no, we, we, did. we did find a couple of uh, blocks, which I was pushing, you know, almost desperately to seek permission for us to uh, dredge up and show on the show. But we weren't, we weren't given permission. There wasn't enough time. The, the show was airing within, you know, a month or two of us doing that actual operation, and there just, it just wasn't going to happen. We'd, we'd have needed months of legal procedure. We'd have needed court orders. We'd, yeah. have had to have, we'd have had to have the city, the state, and the federal government agree to it. Then the EPA would have come in, and then someone in Chicago would have protested that we would have been releasing toxic chemicals into the water. So it, there was just no way it was going to happen. 
You you mentioned your grandmother now, your great grandmother. I'm just I'm just in your opinion, do you think maybe she knew about him at all the time she turned a blind eyes? Yeah, I do. Do you think maybe the reason she stayed with him was the whole bad boy thing? She knew about it, you know, the you know reason the nice girls date the biker, that type of thing. Yeah, I I think she loved him with all her heart. Wow. Wow. That's that's um, just amazing. I mean, the the whole story behind him is like totally unreal. God, I'm you just know. thinking. I'm thinking what I mean, uh, what the man could have taught medicine. I mean, he's a nurse I, from a nursing standpoint. I mean, wow. I'm just thinking from the scientific what he could have taught the world with his knowledge. Because, I mean, I'm telling you, as a nurse, over the years, I've been a nurse almost 30 years, and I can't tell you how many times, you know, doctors have killed people accidentally because when they were trying to remove a kidney, they weren't able to remove the kidney without nicking something else. And, I mean, you know, he sounds like almost like, almost like laser precision on what he did. Well, we don't have any accounts, Jeff, of him conducting any of his experiments or tortures down in the basement. We don't, uh, um, nothing nothing of, of trial transcript quality. And so obviously we're not, we're, we're going to, it's going to be quite speculative in nature for the rest of time. Right, right. But wow. there's, you know, there's, I want, I just, scratch my head and and question why these so-called historians would want to argue about a man who had a you know gas inducted furnace in his basement with acid baths and lye pits and shoots from the rooms with with the rooms with gas vents so that he could asphyxiate his his guests and then his team could go send them down the chutes to be strapped to a gurney so that he could conduct his Frankenstein-like operations. So, have you ever heard? Have, have you ever heard did, did he take actual live people into the basement, Jeff? We don't know. We never will know. As far as other suspects, I heard, I was telling Judy uh, years ago, you know, I was reading about Jack the Ripper, and they were saying they suspected royalty. The theory was supposedly that it was one of the princes or, or kings or something, I don't remember exactly, supposedly that and the, the, the police were covering it up. I mean, have you heard all the different, just who all of you heard that was Jack the Ripper besides beside your great-great-grandfather? I mean, is there an extensive list or was it a short list? No, there's over 100 suspects. Good Lord. That's, wow. And what, what finally got him, I mean, what finally got him that they said, okay, we know beyond, when they arrested him for the murder, what finally was basically the, the, the smoking gun? Well, he was arrested for the murder of his partner, Benjamin Peitzel, and he was tried in Philadelphia for the murder of Benjamin Peitzel, who had worked with him for a number of years. In fact, Holmes had murdered his partner's three children as well. He wow. murdered his little boy in Irvington, Indiana, and then his two little girls in Toronto, Canada. And was, his, 
were his murders all the same? I mean, the same, he killed them all the same way, or? None were the same. That's why when, you know, I go, once again, on these shows, and they want to argue M.O., modus operandi, about killers, and they, they argue that Holmes can't be the Ripper because he didn't murder the same way here in the States as he did in Whitechapel. Well, we don't have any M.O.s for Holmes here in the States. His killings were all very secretive. They were all very planned out. They were all very uh, premeditated, and his alibis were tight. His aliases were rock solid, and any evidence left behind wasn't going to be able to connect him to a crime. And in London, Holmes knew all he had to do was buy a ticket home. All he had to do was get on a ship. And that's why... Or a train or wherever he was. Yeah, and that's why one of the my favorite parts of the show was when Amaryllis discusses uh, her and history finding proof that Scotland Yard followed Holmes back across the Atlantic on a ship and investigated some Ripper-style killings in New York City. Now, I'm sure, now can we... Yeah, but now... Um, he, he had Heitzel sign a life insurance policy over to his, what, was it his wife or was it him? Oh, that was, that was in dispute. And as it turns out, Holmes ended up with the cash, but, um, yeah, I think, I think Holmes was. His wife was the beneficiary, but in some way or another, she handed the cash over to Holmes. But there's a question about whether he actually had the chance to spend it or not. I, I never researched that as extensively as I could have. There were, there's many others that have written books about that exact incident. And what, yeah. what, what caused me to beware, Judy, was how most of that story was based on lies that Holmes had told reporters while he was in prison awaiting execution. And those articles were taken, you know, because they were written by the New York Times or the Philadelphia Sun or the Chicago Tribune as being truth, and they weren't. They were Holmes' lies because he was a pathological liar. And there's times, uh, Jeff, that I think Holmes used to lie to himself. When he looked really? in the mirror. Yeah. And, you know, so now we have people writing books in 2015 using the articles from 1895 as historic fact when I know for sure they were just Holmes' lies. Right. Well, I, was, I, I mean, he, he was a great liar to everybody. I think, was best, I, I think he was the best that ever lived. You you have well, look, one he, he op- of following. He opened up the castle to all them people to the World's Fair, and there was what two hundred or more, and they all disappeared. So no, where did no, they no. all go? No, there was two hundred. There was twenty million people that visited the fair. There was over five hundred people that went missing during the fair that the police never found. Wow. So where? You know, even if he if he did something with them, could they be buried around the grounds over there? 
Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm counting on. That's what I. You know, obviously, I don't wish murder or what you know the the unfortunate occurrences which happened to these these poor young ladies. But if it did, I think it's my destiny and my obligation to see that we uncover them and we properly bury them. Well, what other reason to get the, yeah, the sentence closure? Yeah, closure. And that, that the federal government agrees that we be allowed to put a monument there, there to them, not to Holmes, but to those victims. And, you know, I, I go to book signings all the time and people come up to me and, you know, mm-hmm. shake, my, shake the hand and buy the book and, but then they tell me that, you know, their family believes that one of their ancestors was actually one of Holmes's victims. Wow. You, you've got one heck of a following. I was, I was just reading about the, the American Ripper series, and people are all over the web. I mean, and, and believe me, uh, apparently a lot of people have written to the History Channel requesting a season two. Yeah, that went on for quite a while, and history decided no, they walked away from it, and it set the last episode set records. So I'm, I'm not sure why their decision was, but you know, there's politics involved in every aspect of television. I learned that, and while some of the shows, some of the shows I watch on cable television are certainly silly. Um, well. They had a they had a great opportunity with this show to continue the story, moving ahead, and you know with the the evidence of the exhumation and and that, all of that stuff. Well, with, as with for me, a person that did see from episode one to the end, um, I suggest anybody that's listening to the show that y'all go on and it's on Amazon right now, um, Amazon Prime, and you go on there and watch this show because it's a great show. I mean, it keeps you in suspense. When it ends, it's like, that's it? What else is going to happen? Oh, I can't wait till next week to come on. Come on, hurry up. (laughs) You know? Um, It was an excellent show, Jeff. I really enjoyed the show, Uh, like I said, but I'm like... I'm a historian. I'm into this kind of stuff, and I like to see what happens next, you know, as I'm sure the folks out there, if they tune into that show, they're going to want to see what happens next as well. I'm reading one of the the comments on on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, you know, and one of these guys says, the investigation is to be a rickety one with lots of conjecture and not a lot of hard evidence. That's what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. I mean, some people, you know, I mean, short of him coming back to life and saying, look, I did it, they probably still wouldn't believe it. I mean, it, it's, it doesn't matter what evidence you produce, you know, produce. I don't think some of them have it in their mind so much, you know, and maybe it's like the, the whole D.B. Cooper thing. Maybe they don't want to believe because, you know, if they spoil the mystery, then they can't talk about it anymore. The mystery's solved; it goes away. You know what I mean? Oh, I used to, I used to uh, make a, a half humorous statement at events I'd go to uh, Jeff about 
you and me and Judy going going on an H.G. Wells time machine back to 1888 Whitechapel and videoing Holmes murdering Catherine Eddowes. Right. And and bringing it back, you know, to Silicon Valley for them to verify the authenticity of it and then telecasting it on cable television and standing back to watch the millions who would still argue that Holmes wasn't Jack the Ripper. And, and, what, what, and I just, what's the, there's just no way to prove anything in history once you get, oh, two, three weeks ago. I, I really, it's like, look at the news we have now and what's fake news and what's real. And, and it's very, very difficult to establish reality and veracity unless you believe the argument that's behind the so-called facts. Okay, um, I'm sorry, but I watched the show, and I saw the picture, but once again, I'm bringing up the drawings again, and they're one and the same. I can't see any difference between Holmes and Whitechapel and Jack the Ripper. I can't see any difference there. No, I agree with you. And I can tell you this, since American Ripper, you know, was telecast around the world almost, now when people are asked who's the number one most widely known suspect for the Jack the Ripper murders, and this will this raises the ire of the UK Ripperologists, but it's H. H. Holmes. And you know, so American Ripper went a long way into establishing Holmes as a viable suspect. And I'll just keep going out there on shows like yours and Jeff's, Judy, and then explaining why I think the mystery is solved, the case is closed. It's time for us to figure out another one. Wow. Maybe, maybe you ought to work on uh, something, uh, you know, so, something like Boston Strangler. I don't know if you ever got caught. <laughs> I, I'm just curious, though, if he was alive today, I, I wonder – if he could get by, I mean, because we've got so much testing, but he was so smart. I mean, I'm just curious if he would be able to run such a long, you know, long run today. I'm just, because a lot of it was because of technology. You know, they didn't have the DNA testing and, you know, all well, this stuff, you know? my answer to that would be, yeah, he could, today he could still get away with it because you look at it today, there's a lot of insurance fraud going on which he was into. There's a lot of unsolved murders, which he could get away with because he would just keep building one castle after another castle after another castle, and that's the way he was. I'm sure there was, after the one in Texas, I'm sure there was going to be one somewhere else. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that if Holmes were alive today, he would be a master in technology, he would be a criminal hack. He would recognize that, you know, computers and the information era that we live in now gave him a far, far greater opportunity to profit with, with immense dollar amounts, much more so than he had back then, guys. And I think he would, I think he would just cherish living now rather than then. I think wow. he would have... I think he'd hold classes on doing this. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah and um, 
he would have been he would you know what I I really think that's that's an obvious he would have rather far rather lived now and flown traveled the globe going wherever he needed to go for the next project to stay away from police and then always 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 one step ahead of the technological advances that were coming up regarding hacking and getting into people's data and he, he would have been a master at it. To me, to me, it seemed like he was always one step ahead of the police all the time. Oh yeah, he was. He played chess with them, um, Judy. And as you can tell from the fact how lame Chicago law enforcement was around about this horrible monster that lived downtown in their midst. He was much better at it than they were. Yeah. It, is there any evidence that, that he ever had that uh, that said he ever, ever had an accomplice to, to help him carry out these, I mean, the actual disposal of the bodies? or what? I'm just curious, was there ever any evidence pointing to that at all? Oh, I got the answer. I got the answer. It was Peitzel. <laughs> <laughs> Peitzel helped him. No, any 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 of the books you read now with Jeff about Holmes talk about his accomplices. He had many of them. Really? Sure. Wow. I'm, I'm going to was one in the insurance fraud. Wow. Well, I'm I'm definitely going to watch the series when you know start watching the series. My wife and I'll probably watch it. Wow, but I, you're you're fascinating. I mean, the, the whole story. Is fascinating, you know every aspect of it. it it's I just, told you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Jeff, you're right. is, Jeff is a good guest. He's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, this whole subject fascinates me. You know, I mean, it's it's unreal. It's like hard to believe that somebody in your family, be it present or past could actually be like this, you know? Well, that's, wow. that's quite, that's, that's a good point. And it's quite shocking that, well, well, I tend to believe that all of us, if we go back far enough on, in our genealogical lines, we'll find something, you know, bad in, in the woodshed, but maybe not as drastic or dramatic as the one in mine. And obviously not as well written about and soon to be made into major motion picture, pictures left and right by some of the most powerful Hollywood entities there are. And it's the Holmes name will, I think soon will rival Jack the Ripper as far as true crime is concerned. And it's just a matter of time. I mean, you've got Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese making a movie about him and, and others interested in the other parts of the story. So. Hey, guys, can I let your listeners know where they can find a copy of my book if they're interested? Absolutely. You sure can. They, can. they can either Google me up or they can go to www.bloodstainsthebook.com, all one word. And if you go on there, I think we still have a few signed first editions. We've gone to a second edition now where I where I went and cleaned up the first edition as much as I could and then made some amendments due to uh, historical facts that we came across since the first printing. 
but I think there's some signed first editions there, which might be a collector's item one day, I hope. And um, they're the they're the same price. It's not it's thirteen ninety nine for the book, and uh, you can get a signed copy. So if you're interested, go to www.bloodstainsthebook.com and uh, take a look. And the only thing that I ask you to promise me is, is when you read my book, leave two lights on in your bedroom. <laughs> well, Why is just, that? Just to let you know, I'm, I'm I'm not letting my wife read your book. Okay, just just for safety purposes, you know. <laughs> Why do I have to leave two lights on in my bedroom? Well, it's gonna be the it's gonna be the most terrifying book you've ever written, ever read. No, oh, there's there's no doubt about that. Almost all of my readers agree with that. Uh, nothing in the you know nothing terrifies me. I'm in the paranormal, so. All right, we'll give it a try. I'm, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious to, to watch the series. I, I'm not much of a book reader, I, but TV I love. It, it's, wow. They, you know, every, everything I read on, on the line said that a lot of the reason that, that there wasn't a series two was because you were so, I mean, they were bragging on you. You were so thorough in all the evidence. You know, they said that there was, it was basically like just, you know, a, a massive bomb of evidence that you prevented, presented so much, and still you have the, the critics that say, no, no, no. Wow. Well, you know, in this type of series, in this type of show, you're always, I, I've learned you're going to have half the people like your book or show and half the people dislike it, and you have to learn to live with that. That's modern life. And that's okay. That's okay. There's there's millions of people out there. And I got to tell you, when the show was going on, you know, it, my life was much, much different. I'd, I'd walk into an Albertsons or go on an airline for a ride across the country, and people would come up to me and say, oh, man, we love your show. My husband and I are waiting, you know, every Sunday night. We're like, when is Tuesday coming so we can watch the next <laughs> episode? And, now, and um, I gotta, t- I gotta tell you, that's a great feeling to have in your life. You know, at least, at least for a yeah, couple of months. Yeah, but have you, have you ever experienced the fact that, like, okay, you're the great great grandson of H. H. Holmes, and people walk up to you and say, "Stay away from me." You're the no. great great grandson. No. <laughs> no, never, never. So that's a good you, thing, though. That really is a good it. thing. I mean, for me myself, Jeff, I have to tell you that. I thought your show was great, and I, I really wish they would do a season two on it because, you know, people need to know the craziness that's out there. It's not only back then when Holmes was alive. It's still going on today, but in a different way, you know? Well, Yeah, yeah they just captured a guy out in uh, California, what, after like 20-some years or something now, but... I don't know the uh, the killer out there, but there's an old man now, and he he was just in court the other day. I'm I'm trying to remember the something I can't remember where in California, but yeah, I mean it's just wow, history definitely repeats itself. So have you ever got? I have to ask this on tying in on Judy's question about the staying away. Have you ever got any hate mail or saying for, for feel like you're glorifying it or anything? Oh, I get death threats from the UK about Jack the Ripper once in a while, but I don't take them seriously. Well, no, if, if you did, you wouldn't be here. Yeah, I understand. I, I'm just curious. I just, wow. 
Mm-mm-mm. I hope you get a season two. I, I haven't even seen season one, but all kidding aside, I really hope you get a season two. I, I would love to see the courtroom thing you were talking about, or even the seduction. You know, it, it's just wow. I mean, he sounds like he's a Casanova. You know, a, a master of all all trades, pretty much. There's no doubt he was. There's no doubt, and the uh, the young ladies appreciated his company. Well, guys, I got to tell you, I've enjoyed being on the show again. I'm um, I'm looking forward to your help with the second season. You've been selling it pretty hard for me here today, and I appreciate that. And I'm also looking forward to Judy reading the book to see if she can come back and honestly tell me she wasn't <laughs> she wasn't scared to death. I got to order both of them, and I want them signed. All right, I, I will. I will. I actually found the video online, Jeff of you actually reading it, uh, reading the book at, at one of the bookstores. Well, I don't remember doing that. Let me find it. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, hang on. Let me look, find out where it is. It says Jeff Muggett reads for the Jeff Muggett. Hang on. Thank God we have Google. Google I, 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 well, I was going to say, I, I bet you that, that your great-great-grandfather would love Google. <laughs> you know, he, caused, he would cause all kind of trouble over Google. What are you, you know, kidding the, me? The other thing, Jeff, go on Google and um, Google up my TED talk about Jack the Ripper. Okay. Here it is. Blood, it says Bloodstained Dream with Jeff Muggett at Annie's Bookstop, Laconia, New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. I remember Annie's is a great bookstore. They, they sold a lot of books for me there, yeah. February 18th, 2015. So, okay, that's Annie's Bookstore, okay, and it's on YouTube? Yeah, let's see. I don't know. Let me click it. Let's see. YouTube, yeah. Uh, Simone Henderson. Uh, you owe me 10 bucks, Simone, for mentioning your name. Uh, actually uh, actually uh, posted it. Yeah, she must have been one of the people. Yeah, I'm reading it right here. Yeah, looking at it as we speak. All right, all yeah. right. Well, I'm sure I didn't read the whole book, but I must have picked out a portion I was – Fond of. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that was, man, that's, I'll, I'll watch the video too. Well, with Jeff, it, it's, well, man, Jeff, I'm I live, I live in a small town in New York, like right outside the Indian Reservation. So if you want me to, I'm going to see if I can't get a, you a book signing up here at the library. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. I, I'm not I'm not a wealthy enough man that I can fly across the country to do a book signing, but there uh, those are opportunities that the next time I'm in New York City I'll let you know, and that'd be fun to see if we could plan together. And Jeff, I'm if a, you ever come I'm down to New Mexico, upstate New York. Yeah, I'm upstate I, I, New York. Upstate New York's one of my favorite places. I did a show there years ago at the Fort Fort Henry. You said you were supposed to come up here to Buffalo. <laughs> I was in I was in Buffalo at the University of Buffalo. Yeah. Well, you were supposed to contact me to let me know when you were up here, so I come of come. Long and see time you. ago. Long <laughs> time ago. Oh, how you know long what? The, ago? The, produ- the producers backed out of that. They didn't. Um, they decided not to film that. So. Well, if you ever get to New Mexico, you're more than welcome to stay with me. I will tell you, I probably locked the bedroom door, but. You're more than welcome to. Uh... <laughs> Stop! <laughs> you could also stay with us. You'll have to deal with five cats and two dogs, though. So you know. 
Yeah, Jeff, just make sure you hide any knives that I could use to whip anything <laughs> We'll make sure they're all butter knives. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm yeah. going to let you, you now. I'm going to let you both go, but it's been a fun night, okay? It has been a pleasure, Thank Jeff. you Thank so, you much, so Jeff, much, for coming on the show. And tell us one more say, time where we can get your book. www.bloodstainsthebook.com, all one word. And history channel, or just, if you don't do season two, you're idiots. Or just Google up bloodstains. We're top of the page. Oh, my gosh. You're awesome, buddy. All right. Well, thank you very much, and you both have a good night, okay? You too. Have Thanks, a wonderful Jeff, for night. coming on, and good night. good night, everybody. Night. You still there, Jeff? Jeff? Hello? Hey, you there? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, that was a fantastic show with him. I guess they have something else to do, but that, you know, because we that got was. the show scheduled for two hours. But that was like a fantastic show. So now, folks, we're going to talk about different hauntings that we've been at for the you know next half hour to an hour. You know? Um, Between you and I, we've been on a lot of them. And a lot of interesting ones. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I started talking last week about a haunting, and I forget even what I was talking about. It wasn't the Windsor haunting. (laughs) The one one that we went on that will go down in our book as, as history is, is we were actually supposed to investigate a junior high school 
down uh, in uh, Floyd Data, Texas. And Floyd Data, Texas, um, it's a really small town. I mean, like, you know, if you had an affair before you even got your pants up, somebody would know it. That type of town, you know. And we ended up just driving back to Plainview, and there's a place in Plainview, and I'll mention the name, and it's a great place. The owner's wonderful, uh, called The Blackness. And if you ever want to go to a scary haunted house place, then you, you need to go there. I, I called. And is, that I the one that, is that the one that you sent me the information on to look up? Yes, that's the one, yeah. And come to find out, the, now what's the odds of a haunted venue actually being haunted? I mean, it was bizarre. Crystal got attacked. She was actually in the bathroom, um, went in the women's bathroom, and she was rocking back and forth. She doesn't remember any of it. And saying, bad spirit, bad spirit. And I was like, what do you mean, bad spirit? Like, demon? She said, no, bad spirit, bad spirit. Crystal ended up with scratches all over. The most bizarre part was she kept getting the, what was the girl's name, June? June, yeah, she kept getting, the, and she kept getting the word tide, T-I-D-E. And she said she was from up here in Ohio. Well, Tell know, my Crystal to get on her phone and call in. Uh, Crystal, they said, get on your phone and call in. <laughs> she said her phone's messing up. So, but. Anyway, when I went to present the evidence to the guy, I said, listen, uh, my wife is an empath and, and really believes you had a small girl here. And he said, oh, yeah, we, we've known about the girl for a while. I'm like, really? I said, did you give her a name? He said, well, we call her Tide. I like to fell out in the floor. I'm telling you. Um, you well, know, what's the name? Was T-I-D-E. That's what they called her. And Crystal kept getting the word Tide. You know, um, the girl was lost and scared. Uh, we had a lot happen there. We One of the things that, that shows, pardon my French, the ignorance of the public, please forgive me, public, but basically I'm not being ignorant like you're stupid, just not having the knowledge. They had a Ouija board there, uh, and they had supposedly bought a, a voodoo stick in quotation marks. And I said, I oh, right. the voodoo stick. Yeah, they had hidden the voodoo stick. They said, oh, you told me stand. about that, and they couldn't find yeah. it or something. Yeah, they finally found the stick, and our EMF meter was off the chart on this thing. It, it turned, to, turned to find out it was, it looked like a dowel, uh, a wooden stick off a um, off of a, a high chair or something, but it was used for like a magic wand, so I converted it or whatever. It was just off the chart. Um, the one funny story. You I know what I don't it. get, Jeff? A oh. lot of people, and, you know, they use, like, I've used dousing rods in the past. Right, right. But I've seen people that go out there, and they find sticks with, like, a V at the end of them and use right. them as a dousing rod. What kind of crap is that? My mom, who does not believe in ghosts at all, she is the... Everything's demon mentality. Everything. But oh, my God. Dows- yeah, but she believes in dowsing rods. She said, well, she said, I know these work. She said, they work on the Earth's magnetic core, and, and she swears up and down. that they- And I said, Mom, that's technically witchcraft, theoretically, by your definition. Oh, no, no, that's not witchcraft. Yeah, I it find is. It interesting. Exactly. I find it interesting that these same people that will say everything's demon it's basically like when somebody picks apart the Bible and they say, okay, you're not allowed to do that because it says in the Bible, well, no, I don't, that's the Old Testament. Dude, if it's written down, that's like saying 
you know, because you go through a red light, you know, because it was on a Tuesday and it was raining, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I got a funny story about this, okay? You're talking about red lights. I was taking my uncle Lucian to the doctor's, and he had dementia at the time. All right, so I come down this big old hill off a of Cedar Mountain, right? And at the bottom of the mountain, there's all these lights to to stop you at the bottom of the mountain because there's roads that you know other people need to go. <laughs> my uncle said, "I got to the red light." He says, "You know." She said, it would be nice if they would just make all these lights green so we could keep going. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, he had dementia, and I was taking him to the doctors, but that was the funniest thing I ever heard. But yeah, anyway. The cops pay for the donuts. <laughs> get, back to, get back to the paranormal. I said that, you know, I I remember what I was talking about last week now. I told you about how uh, I lived in Chester, South Carolina. Right, right. And my house had two spirits in it. So I went to the historical society to find out what was going on with my land, you know? Uh-huh. I, was on, I was on Feral Ave there. And come to find out, it was once belonged to the Feral Farm. And... Uh, so I went there, and the historical society is in the old jail. And I explained last week how I went. The lady gave us a, a, a tour of it. First, she took us downstairs to where the um, treasurer used to be in the basement. Right. And they called him Ed. Well, mm-hmm. one... Evidently, one paranormal group went down there and got smart with Ed, and he threw the guy up against the wall, and they swore never to come back there again. They all left, <laughs> ran out. And then she took, proceeded to take me and my son upstairs to where the prisoners were held at one time. And at the time, they had both male and female prisoners there, Okay. Okay. And I had explained how I went up the catwalk, got to the cell, and the last cell on the left-hand side, I stood outside there, and I felt like I was being choked. Oh, and that's Lord. because the guy that was in the cell hung himself, okay? Oh, wow. So I walked away from there, and... I felt okay after that. And across from there was the female cells. Well, I walked down towards the showers, and I could hear all these females screaming. And the woman said to me, that's because that's where the females used to get raped. By the so it's like, you know, the paranormal... It's fine to get into it, but you have to expect getting hit, pinched, bit, hair pulled, uh, choked. (laughs) It's like I hear a lot of people saying ghosts can't hurt you. Yeah, they can. Oh, yeah, they They can. They can hurt you. 
Yeah, well, I mean, even if you think about it from a scientific perspective, ghosts, by definition, are, are theoretically energy. So an energy itself can very much hurt you. I mean, if you stick your finger in the light socket, you're getting shocked, you know? And, exactly. And ultimately, yeah, and ultimately that's basically what it is, and, and they can generate <clears throat> that energy. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is that a lot of people don't understand. They think, you know, playing with the Ouija board is all fun and all this kind of stuff. They don't realize that they're opening up portals, you know, and these okay. portals. Let me tell you something about a Ouija board. When it first came out by the, comp- the game company, okay? Hmm. You know the game company I'm talking about. Right. Um, my parents bought me a Ouija board. Oh, good Lord. And I was, well, I didn't know. It was a game. Right, right. I was at, I was at my neighbor's house playing this game, and the planchette flew out the window and oh. ended up in the front yard of his oh, house. Wow. That's a big red flaming exit sign. <laughs> From that day on, I left it the hell alone. Okay? That's why, you know, I see a lot of people on there. They're collecting Ouija boards and what have you. I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? You know? Yeah, because you're, I mean, you're tempting fate. You're basically pushing, playing Russian roulette. I mean... You know, it, it's just a matter of time. I mean, and I use the term loosely when I use this, but I'm not saying I'm an expert. There are no experts in the paranormal world by any means. You know, but ultimately, you know, and again, this other term, professionals, I, I consider myself enough of of a trained individual to know how to protect myself. The average individual exactly. is going, Yeah, I mean... The average person just thinks they're going to go out and they're going to have a good time and, and they're going to get scared, you know, like going to a haunted house, talking to the dead, and, and that's the end of it. But unfortunately, these people, and, and they are people, they're just, you know, ex-people right now, you know. Well, I, basically... I, I tell you, I tell you, I know this for a fact. I bought a newbie to a haunted house, a residence, a newbie. Right. Okay, and I don't know what he felt, what he saw, have no clue, and he was like, he comes up to me and goes, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, well, the bathroom's right over there, Dow. <laughs> He's like, can you stand outside the bathroom? And I'm like, why? He says, <laughs> because I don't, I don't want anything getting me. I'm like, okay, I'll stand outside the bathroom door, no problem. You know, I stood outside the bathroom. I don't know what it was that he saw or he felt, but he made me stand outside the bathroom door. I I got a girl. He would never come up to the second floor of the house. You know. Would it come up there? Refuse to come up there. I got a girl at work, and I won't mention her name, but I swear this girl is sensitive. She doesn't realize it. The other day, I was doing my charting as a nurse, and she said, I just heard a kid laugh. I'm like, really? Uh, And so uh, I went to put some 
files in, in our boss's box. You know, after we write an order, we have to put them in there. And, and when I opened the door, I heard the kid laugh. It sounded like a young girl. The girl is in denial, I mean, big time. But I know she's a sensitive. I know that because, you know, <clears throat> in case you don't know, if, if you have spirits, you know, that, that like to hang around you or you feel like, you know, that you're always getting touched, et cetera, they're probably trying to get your attention. You're, there's a lot of sensitive out there, uh, medical terms, that are probably undiagnosed, you know, that don't realize it. They'll probably be in denial their whole life, but they're still going to be there. You know, it, it's not a curse by any means. Uh, I, I mean, it can be depending on what you do with it, but but it can be a gift, you know, because I know Crystal, uh, you know, you can help get a lot of closure for people. You know, I've, I've had sensitives tell me, your mom's here or your dog's here or, you know, and that meant a lot to me, you know. Um, <clears throat> all I say is, is to people, if, you, if you're thinking about ghost hunting and you've never done you, it, you yourself, do it yourself. Has, you yourself has a man hanging around you with dark hair. Right. See, now, funny you should mention that because as you say that, I'm getting cold chills <laughs> and my dad is on the wall as we speak. My, ma, my my wife told me that before, and he's got dark hair. That was my dad. Yeah. And so help me God, if you get me crying, I'm going to kick your ass. So help me God. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's I, – I, we've had that before. Uh, we had um, uh, Sylvia Brown uh, years ago. Well, on TV. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking his name is Robert or Richard. It, well, uh, we've got a Pete that hangs around me, I know. My dad's name was Fred Hind Connor. And it could be now, somebody else here. I don't know. This is a Maybe Robert or Richard. Robert or Richard. Richard. I did have an Richard's Uncle Richard. Richard's coming out with dark hair. Yeah, uh, yeah, all the family. Yeah, it could be Uncle Richard. I, he was a really nice guy. He he's, about, he's about almost six feet tall. Yeah, everybody in my dad's family was six feet taller or better, yeah. Yeah, yeah there, that would make sense. There you go. Well, there you go. That's Uncle Richard, that's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, with me... And you I, never told me about him before. No, no, I've never... Uh, you know, and, and I wouldn't even know except, you know, Uncle Richard was... Um, wait a minute, Uncle no. Richard was, no, wait, oh, oh, hold on. He was kind to you. Absolutely, yeah. He gave me money out of his will when he died, yeah. All the ne- all the nieces and nephews he gave us, we each got $8,000. He, he loves you. Yeah. And he wants you to know he's okay. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous of, of people, you know, that are sensitive and empath. And, then, and my wife said, you know, Crystal said, no, no, no. I... It's, I am sensitive and empathic, and I don't claim to be a psychic. I will never claim to be a psychic, but I do have, like I just did right now, sometimes I have these psychic things going on. Maybe I am psychic, but I don't claim to be a psychic, you know. My my wife says I'm psychotic, but, you know, that's different. So. Oh my God, Chris is a very loving person. Are you kidding me? Hey man, I, I tell you what, you know, I, I tell people like I said last show. You know, 
I wear the pants. You control the zipper. I've stayed married for 20 years, you know, uh, come September 17th for a good reason. It's because I love her to death. And, and you know, she, uh, she, she fills me, completely fulfills me. And, and the only bad thing is, is living with a sensitive, generally speaking, and, and this sucks for, from a guy perspective, is, is they're generally never wrong. And that sucks. We never win an argument, ever. You know, because she'll say, don't go somewhere. Oh, I'm going to be fine. No, no, I'm telling you, don't go. Something's going to happen. And sure enough, you want to hear something really strange? Yeah. People that I've cared about and loved with all my heart come back mm-hmm. to me in my dreams. Okay. I don't know if that's strange or not, but my ex that I was with for six and a half years who beat me mm-hmm. until I got fed up. He came back to me. He's like, you need to let me go. And I'm like, and I saw myself talking to him, and I'm like, no, I'm not letting you go, and I'm going to put you through hell like you put me through. See, what I'm going to do is when I die, I'm going to come to you in a dream, and I'm going to scare you. I'm going to be wearing a thong and nipple tassels. (laughs) I only have dreams. I only see people that are dead in my dreams. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm going to come back to your dreams and haunt you. <laughs> I'll probably die before you, so. <laughs> oh, if, I see you, if I see you in heaven like that, I might get scared. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a mercy killing, believe me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We were no, but it's, like, it's like even in my bedroom here, okay, I know Jan's wife died in this house, but she didn't die in the room I'm in. She passed away in the room Jan's in, okay? Right. And uh, it's like my dog will get up at his the hair on his back will be all standing up and he'll be barking at the bathroom door. And I take pictures and I get orbs. I'm not one for orbs because it could be dust. But these have faces in it. And uh, I took a video one night and I had all these shooting orbs all over the friggin' place. (laughs) You know? Like they were having a party in here, but I got haunted dolls in here. I, I oh. read a report one time that was talk talk about animals, talk about your dog, and this this one guy, this one investigator, I don't remember, you can find it online, but he was talking about why animals basically are, are sensitive, so to speak, and it has to do, in, in humans' eyes, we have what they call cones and rods, um, and I get confused which one's which. Uh, I think the cones are in the front, rods are on the side, if I'm not mistaken. I may have it backwards, forgive me if I do. But basically, that's why you generally see stuff off the corner of your eyes because the rods will will pick up the the movement of light and stuff. That's what they're there for, the peripheral vision. And dogs and animals in general, they have more rods than cones. Um, And and that's why they see the stuff. I found that very interesting because, you know, when I heard that, I thought back all the times I've seen my animal, and everybody I'm sure has seen it, where your animal just stares off into an empty room. You're thinking, what are they seeing? You go in the room, you cut the light on, there's nothing there. And you're like, and then sometimes, you know, I I would get a cold chill, almost like something, even when I was a kid, past 
roomie or something, you know. Now it all makes sense. Well, sometimes my room is, like, extremely hot. Sometimes my room is extremely cold. Right. The heat, the heat could be on, and my room is, like, I walk in my room and I'm shivering. Right. I literally shiver. And... Um, Almost like you're in the Arctic. Yeah, kind of, sort of like that, but, you know. Um, I don't know. My my dog is very, very sensitive. I'll often, sometimes he'll bark outside in the yard when I let him out. And uh, I go out there to see what he's barking at, and he's barking at, well, he has to be barking at something, but I can't see it, whatever it right. is. Well, I had a I had a psychic up in up in Michigan. Um, we were going on an investigation, and you know, I just told her. I said, "Well, I said I know there's different type of psychic. There's clairvoyance, and I was going through them, you know. And I said, what's higher for you?" And she said, "I I see, you know, I can communicate with the dead." And I said, "Well, did you see anybody around me?" The first one out of her mouth was my dog Angel, who we love beyond belief. And, I mean, she described her to a T, never, ever seen a picture of her. And then she said, you know, you have to understand, these dogs, you know, when you get a dog, they attach themselves to you heart, body, and soul, you know. And why wouldn't they want to be with you? Because that was their whole goal in life, you know. And yeah. I think a lot of the, that's a lot of the reasons for hauntings, too. I really do believe that. It's not they're wanting to scare you or some of them don't even have unfinished business, I believe. I mean, again, they're all true. Do you know an Emma or Emily? Emily. Emily? Emily. Do I know an Emily? Do you know an Emily, Crystal? No. No? And again, it's maybe back in my history. What? Who was your Emily in high school? Cox? Emily Cox, she said, in high school. But I, God knows. I may have had Did somebody in the this is, is she by? Die. Did she die? Oh, oh, did she die? Oh, no, I don't think so. She said she don't think so. It's probably somebody back in my history, honestly. Or it okay, be because Richard has an Emily or Emma. He calls her Emma, but her real name is Emily. I think, if I'm not mistaken, because I did Ancestry.com, um, you know, when you do that smart search, I think there was an Emma um, on the Bailey side of my family, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she lived down in Virginia, uh, Emma. Uh, well, she's with Richard. Yeah, I, I mean, that would make sense. I mean, I I found a lot of my, my – and, and plus, you have to understand, too, uh, as, since I found my biological family – Oh, my God. And I told you – we're related and a Theodore? To Theodore. A Teddy or a Theodore? I don't, I don't think I'm related to Roosevelt, but... Uh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Why are all these people popping up? I don't know. It, it could be because of Crystal. Crystal's like a magnet, I'm telling you, you know? Well, ask her if she knows a Theodore that passed away. A Teddy or a Theodore that passed away? No, no. I mean, but honestly, 
with me being related to Jesse James, we're just starting to explore that side. You know, um, you know, I mean, honestly, I, we don't even know that side of the family. And plus, she's just starting to explore her Campbell side, you know. Um, so, well, that's amazing. These people, keep, these people keep popping up, and I'm like, where the hell are you coming from? <laughs> now, do you, do you pick up any animals? A Sparky? I don't know. A Sparky, I don't know. Uh, Sparky? We had a, a Gizmo, a Jake, a Angel, Toby. Um, Crystal, do you ever have any animals in your family named Sparky? No, no, please. Yeah. I had a Sparky. Maybe it's you. No, but this one's not an American. My Sparky was an American Bulldog. This one's not an American Bulldog. This one's a mutt, small mutt. <laughs> and, and just to point out to, to the public that's listening, this is number one reason why you probably shouldn't do the paranormal if, if you don't know what you're doing. Because with Judy picking up all these, I mean, think about this. Even if they're not related to me, theoretically, by Judy's definition, if you believe it, and I do, that I'm surrounded, you know, and each one of those spirits has the potential to possibly hurt you, depending on what you do. You know, I, I won't mention the, the show, but there's a show on that, that they taunt the spirits. Come on, I, I dare you to show. They're that not is... going to hurt you. No, they not hear me, what you're saying. saying. No, they I'm just can saying the hurt in general. you. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. I mean, they have the potential. You know, that's why they're not never, here to ever, ever talk. They're not showing themselves to me to hurt me. They're just showing themselves to me to let me know, to let you know. Right. They're here. I'll, they I'll all love you. The creepiest thing I've ever had happen to me ever, and I to this day, I cannot explain it, Judy. We were in our old apartment. <laughs> Crystal was asleep. Um, and for those people that have played World of Warcraft, you'll understand what I'm talking about. In World of Warcraft, and, and you'll understand why I'm explaining this, if you play a warlock, uh, you get little uh, companions that help you fight. One of the companions a warlock gets is an imp. It's about probably, if it was in the real world, probably about three foot tall, and they bounce. When they bounce, there's fire behind them. I and they up bite. Night. Yeah. They bite. I look at the end of my bed. I swear to you, and it wasn't a dream. I swear to you, sure, I'm just talking here to you. It was there. Three, yes, three imps. What was his name? I don't know. I, what happened is, all of a sudden, when I looked down and saw him, I instantly got sleepy. I tried so hard to stay awake. And it's like, honest to God, I've been drugged. Like, they didn't want me to see me. And I had this overwhelming thing in my head. Go to sleep. You can't see what we're doing. Literally, that's okay. what I heard in my head. Okay. I never saw him again. I have. When I was in witchcraft, involved in witchcraft, I had this little guy that was shorter than three feet tall. And it may have been. I'm allowed to get measurements. I'm a guy. <laughs> and I call him, a, well, his name is Loki. I, which don't, is, I, don't, I know that name. 
in history. It's it's mischievous. Okay, and he took uh-huh. his name completely. I got out of witchcraft, but he's still with me. Yeah. Hmm. Well, now yeah. I, I'm I'm just curious now. Why would in general public, because this is out of my expertise, why would they have appeared in in my house? Any idea what would be your your theory? And why would because they what they're doing? Because of the game you're playing. The game you're playing. That. Yeah, the game you're playing is basically of the devil. Right. So yeah, why couldn't they send me? Why couldn't they send me the succubus? That's one of my other ones. The succubus, she's a babe. I mean, they could send me that one. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, you think she's a babe. But no, no, I know. In the game. In the game. If she took the outer skin off, she wouldn't be such a babe. Yeah, she probably looked like my ex-wife. Anyway, so, yeah. But um, She'd probably you know, work, I, look worse than that. I, I just While warts all over and shit with these big friggin' ears and stuff. Stick- oh, I can see it now. Well, what do you think? What do you think that they were doing? That they were saying that I can't watch what they're doing. That they that he, they made me sleepy. I really feel like they you made me can't sleepy. because so by playing that game, you invited them into your house. Yeah, but I don't understand what they were doing. That's what I'm saying is they were smiling at me like. But it was a, a yeah. I got you now. Yeah, that's yeah. how they were smiling at. Yeah, okay. They got you now. Stop playing almost, the game. They almost God don't like, want you playing that game. It almost God don't like want I, you play. I used to play the game Magic all the time. Right. The card game Magic. Right. Right. I My had to stop playing that. Wow, it, it's been a couple of years, like I say, but but it was just that is the most bizarre thing that has ever happened to me. You know, I, I just, I still can't explain it. You know, I will, I will say we lived in a trailer up in South Carolina that was haunted. Um, and one night, Crystal was in bed, and it was, Crystal had nothing in the room. We go in, um, <clears throat> she's hollered, woke up, Jeff, get in here now. I ran in, and written on the wall is Diablo, which means the devil. Now, it was red, and I thought, okay, it's got to be lipstick. I know and what I, Diablo means. Yeah, no, I'm just telling the public. And and so basically what happens is I thought it was lipstick, so I rubbed the wall. It wouldn't rub off. Lipstick, I will tell you, not from wearing it. I do not wear it. But it, it smeared. It, it, you know, normally smears, and it didn't smear at all, you know. Um, and, and that was really weird. We moved out of the trailer. I sold the trailer. The lady I sold it to, when I called to check on her, you know, how the, how the trailer's doing and everything, just to be nice. 